0: for CEOs and also for the, their people. What I find is there are two things that I do find is are clearly related to impactful leadership. The first is to have grit, uh, to have essentially the, the motivation and also the resilience and the focus to overcome adversity, which we all are going to run into life.
1: Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the IMCEO podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Jan Benedict Steenkamp of jbstenkamp.com. JB, it's awesome to have you on the show.
0: I'm glad to be there, Gresh. No
1: problem. Super excited to have you on as well, too. And before we jump in, I want to read a little bit more about JB so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And JB is a Knox Massey Distinguished Professor of Marketing at the University of North Carolina's Kenan Flagler, Flagler Business School. In a recent Stanford University study, he was ranked in the top 0.1 across all sciences. JB has written several books for business practitioners, his most recent one being Time to Lead, Lessons for Today's Leaders from the Bold Decisions that Changed History. In today's time of global crisis, and obvious lack of faith in leaders at all levels. More than ever, we need to and can learn from the great men and women in the recent and more distant past who have faced much greater challenges. He has given executive seminars and guest lectures on all continents into a multitude of organizations including the U.S. Military Academy at West and the U.S. Naval Postgraduate School. JB, are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? I am absolutely ready. Thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Super excited to have you on. And what I wanted to do is to kind of kick everything off was rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started uh, with
0: all the awesome work that you're doing and what led you to kind of come here. And, well, since uh since i was very young uh, i've always been very much interested in in history and uh, has been let's say uh, say my, my my hobby and um uh, i've learned uh, you know from early on from my father who was a politician you know essentially to learn from great historical people now you know in my academic career i went into marketing but the point is you have a lot of leadership positions there as well, in professional organizations, journals at the, at the different universities that i worked and so on. And then a couple of years ago, it, it kind of hit upon me and essentially how leadership, which I had done a lot in practice, actually how many parallels there were with marketing because we are both talking about trying to get other people say to follow you you know what you would like them to do they may be purchasing your product to follow your ideas and your lead etc and so combining marketing and leadership and infusing them with historical knowledge which is let's say all the free time that I have since I was perhaps 8 or 9 or so I I I read history I try to integrate them um, in this um in this new book and to uh, derive lessons for us uh, today here in 2021.
1: Nice. I absolutely, you know, love that. And I think it's so, you know, powerful to be able to do that. I think so many times we forget that a lot of the lessons that we can learn from are, are from the past and from history. So that's why I love that you know we get the opportunity to really, you know, learn as much on how to be better leaders and of course learn that from the history um and information um from the past. And so I wanted to hear a little bit more, you know, about your book and how you work with the clients that you have. Could you take us through a little bit more on what we can find in the book and, and how exactly that works?
0: Yeah. So what I and what I do in the book is um I identify, based on leadership work, seven different leadership styles, meaning essentially certain behavioral patterns that you find in people. And then I illustrate and deepen our insight into each of these leadership styles with a couple of historical examples, Uh, for example, uh, involving George Washington or Margaret Thatcher or uh, Franklin Roosevelt and and other people. And... people that have faced tremendous challenges in their lives, uh, that had to overcome sexism, uh, racism, classism, all kinds of other things, and that made courageous decisions that really changed history. And we can learn from that. We can learn from those principles here and now, just as, and that is, I think, very important to understand, these leaders learned from each other. Let me give you one example. And many people would agree that three of the greatest leaders in the 20th century were Mahatma Gandhi from India, the freedom fighter in India, uh, Martin Luther King, and um, President Nelson Mandela, the first uh, you know democratic president of South Africa. Now, it's interesting that Dr. King's insights on how to fight racism came, by her hearing what Gandhi had done in India and he is very open about it. He said, "Now I understood how I could do it. And then he adapted to the American context, but very important, he always gave Gandhi the honor of giving him essentially the light. Now what we see is that Mandela, President Mandela, He studied the life of Dr. King. He was very aware of it. And what King did, he also had to fight racism. He adapted it to South Africa. But he gave a lot of honor to King. Now what we see is that very recently, just, I mean, last week, the the new senator from Georgia, he is a pastor Of the church in Atlanta, where Dr. King was at one time the pastor, and he acknowledges a lot of, let's say, wisdom, how to fight for, for, for good things from Dr. King. So what we see here is, let's face it, the moment that people believe, well, apparently Mandela could learn something from King. I don't know. I'm much better than Mandela. King could learn something from Gandhi. Well, actually, you know, King is not really an insightful man. I mean, I can do it all myself. King perhaps wasn't so smart. I am. I think actually most people would say this is pretty crazy. If people like Mandela, if people like, like King, if they say, I learned a lot from previous examples, why should we not? I wanted to ask you now for what I call your
1: secret sauce. And it could be for you personally or your book or a combination of both. But what do you feel kind of sets,
0: sets it apart or you apart, part makes it unique? Well, I think what, um, I won't say what sets me apart. I will say what sets the, 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 the book apart is that um, it straddles history and leadership. Biographies are very popular. But the point is, A biography is often 800, 900 pages long, which is kind of really long. And it isn't written to draw out the leadership lessons. And it is still only one person, however valuable that may be. Uh, Leadership books are, many of them are full of hot air. They are their war stories. They are stories about you know I did this so great and I did that so great. Unfortunately, a couple of years later, it's not so nice. I mean, the the boss of the, uh, Jack Welch, uh, you know, he was seen as the greatest man uh, manager on earth. I mean, he ran essentially General Electric into the ground in the sense he built a framework which was built on hot air. Uh, Zuckerberg with Facebook, he I mean, he has gotten a lot of flak. He was seen as the greatest visionary since Christ and it didn't work out so well so many of these leadership books they unfortunately they are very I mean I I consider them to be mostly hot air and what they also say Gresh is there is only one way to truth essentially they're like a religion there's only one path to eternal salvation and that is you have to be a servant leader you have to follow this, those 10 laws and they're also always going to get good or you have to be a charismatic leader etc and that is pure nonsense because if you happen to have that personality those particular skills i mean that is fine but many people are not charismatic or they are not by nature a servant leader and what i show in this book is that is perfectly fine that is that Yes. In an ideal world, you have everything. Well, in an ideal world, I look like Brad Pitt. (laughs) The point is that doesn't help us. That doesn't help the reader because they will never find themselves into the kind of person that there will be such a huge gap between what they are and then what this ideal point is that the guru is selling. And that kind of motivated me with this this book because I've read a lot of leadership stuff and I've done it, but also read it. And and in my studies, I did a lot of leadership and so on. It never resonated to me because I looked around and I saw, you know, actually life is a lot more complex than what is seen here. And I see some guys, you know, being very successful leaders in business, or in churches, or in countries that are absolutely have nothing in common with, with, with a servant leader. Say, you think of a servant leader, President Xi of China. You may or may not like him, but he's pretty successful. Or Steve Jobs of Apple. I mean, servant leader, I mean, he was, he was very dictatorial. Apparently, he was very successful, too. So the point is, there are many ways to roam. And that was what interested me. So in this book, if you read this book, You will find things that will resonate with your qualities, with your personality, with your things. And as General Holt writes in the foreword to the book, um, and he's a very experienced, very senior uh, general in the United States Air Force. uh, He agreed with me in that he said, you cannot become the person that you are not, but Mm -hmm. you can improve upon the person that you are. And I think that is a very deep insight and my book is about that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I absolutely love that, JB. And also often I'll say uh, if you run your own race, you can never lose. It's when we get caught running somebody else's race that we end up losing. And I think that uh, I love that um, the book is is kind of like a, a toolbox. I guess you can say you pick the tool that works best with you that you can leverage um, and use the best in order to be successful and be a great leader. And so um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an Apple book or a
0: habit that you have. What's something that makes you more effective and efficient? In my own life, which makes me more effective is I have done actually these the leadership tests that I've in my, my book. and I have applied those to myself. So I, I developed those tests based on you know my, my work in psychometrics, it's mathematical psychology. So I developed these self-assessment tests. And then I did the test myself. And actually, I found some pretty interesting things. Things that I noted, hey, actually. I'm a little different than what I thought I would be. I did not always like it, what I found. But when I thought, my first point was that, this is clearly nonsense. <laughs> then the second point is, I say well, actually, perhaps there is some truth in it and, 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 and better work on it and um, so what I found was eye-opening is I developed those tests based on you know the, the kind of knowledge there have the test construction etc that I've done for multiple decades then I applied them to myself and even though I developed the test myself I learned new things about myself and not all of it was what I would like to see but that is also leadership that you accept sometimes things that are not so nice and then you work on them
1: what would you consider to be what I call your CEO nugget? So this could be a word of wisdom or piece of advice. It might be something in your book, or it might be something if you were to hop into a time machine, you might tell your younger business self.
0: I would say for for CEOs and also for the, their people, what I find is there are two things that I do find is are clearly related to impactful leadership. The First is... To have grit, uh, to have essentially the, the motivation and also the resilience and the focus to overcome adversity, which we all are going to run into life. A second thing that I have found is for people that are truly, I mean, the most impactful leaders are people that have a, an overarching goal for their what they want to achieve in life. I wanted to ask you now my
1: absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So
0: JB, what does being a CEO mean to you? I think that we have, being a CEO is, is formally speaking, say the leader of a company. In, in my view, the really meaningful, impactful CEO is not a caretaker, but has a true vision for the company where to go and has the ability to get the organization into the direction that they want
1: to achieve. JB, truly appreciate that definition. I appreciate your time even more. What I want to do is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you, get a copy of the book, and hear about all the awesome things that you're working on. Um,
0: so when we, I, I, I said earlier that these two things that my, my work has, has, has shown, I mean, both practical, but also in, in, in the book is the vision and the, the grid. If, if listeners are wondering, how am I doing on those things? And there are, you know, measurement instruments in the, in, in the appendix of the book, so that you can just in the safety of your own uh, room can answer the questions truthfully and identify whether you are lacking there or or not. So you can assess these things with yourself. A final thing that I want to say about the vision thing and and about the CEOs, if I may, Gresh, is the following. If I look at, it is very important to attract the young, the best and the brightest. Our MBA students, for example, if they would... If they could choose between working for Tesla, a company with a clear vision, you know, clearly it's clear what, what they're standing for, what they're hiring for, versus working for General Motors. We do respect for General Motors, but I don't think there would be a single person that would prefer GM uh, to Tesla. So there is a thing, a vision is good for the company, for the employees, current employees, for the shareholders. It's also good to attract the best and the brightest
1: yeah absolutely and i think that uh when you have that singularity of vision you're able to express that um it, it comes out so well not to the people that are within the organization but also to the people that are outside the organization maybe even wanted to be um a part of that and and so i absolutely love that you cover that in your book for people that want to get a copy of that what's the best way for them to do that
0: uh, the easiest ways to purchase it on amazon uh, barnes and nobles uh, uh, or any other uh, bookstore or online probably a lot easier than going to a physical bookstore themselves yes
1: absolutely and, and to make that even easier we'll have the links and information in the show notes as well as your information but i definitely appreciate you jb again and i hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. thank you for listening to the imceo podcast powered by cb nation and blue 16 media tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co imceo is not just a phrase it's a community Don't forget to schedule your complimentary digital marketing consultation at blue16media.com. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.